How many of you remember a few years ago that everybody was wearing a little bracelet that said WWJD? Stood for what? What would Jesus do? Um, and and I, what I watched about that is, is that I watched a lot of people wearing that bracelet who weren't doing what Jesus would do. In fact, I never got one because I didn't want to be guilty. But as I begin to prepare for this series, I, I begin to think not what would Jesus do, but I, I want to I kind of play with this whole thing a little bit. Uh, I want to do WDJD, what did Jesus do? Not what would he do, but what did he do? So would you take your Bibles today as we begin this series, go to the book of Matthew, the 26th chapter, and as you turn into Matthew chapter 26, let me greet all of our campuses today. Uh, my name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm glad you're with us today. I'm excited about being able to preach the Word of God to you right where you are at that campus, and I believe that God's already prepared the ground. He's already prepared your heart today to receive what He has for you. Uh, so get your Bible, go to the book of Matthew, and let's see what God's up to today. The book of Matthew, the 26th chapter, I, I want to read about four verses out of this passage to you. Matthew 26, verse 17 and 18, then we're going to drop down uh, to verse 26 and 27. It says, now on the first day, verse 17, now on, that first, on the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. Verse 26 and verse 27, same uh, chapter, says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Verse 27, Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. Now, here's what I want to talk to us about today. I want to talk to us about covenant with God, that you and I have been given a covenant with God Almighty. Now, as, as I read this passage to you, what, what we're talking about in this passage is uh, the last couple of days of Jesus' life before the crucifixion. Uh, it's the Passover season. Now, uh, I, I want to kind of share the history of Passover. I kind of want to refresh your memory. Maybe uh, you know about this, but give me just a moment to kind of refresh and bring all of us on the same page today. Uh, when you study the, the Old Testament, especially in the book of Exodus, you, you find out that the children of Israel uh, were in captivity for 430 years. Uh, the Bible says that Joseph went to Egypt and, and uh, brought all the children of Israel there as, as he was a co-regent. Uh, with Pharaoh, but Scripture says, but there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. And when that happened, the Scripture says that this Pharaoh, this king, uh, took all the Israelites and put them into slavery. And for 430 years, they were asking God, God, deliver us. How many of you have ever had prayers that seemed like weren't answered? Come on, hold your hand up. If you don't hold your hand up, you haven't been praying. <laughs> right? Come on, I got stuff I've been praying about for years. Come on, God. At least I hadn't been praying 430 years. Put it in perspective, generation after generation. And yet, finally, God, God says, now's the time, and, and he sends Moses as a deliverer, and we all know, you know, we, all, we know Moses from, from Sunday school, or at least we know it from TBS and Charlton Heston. 
because every year they play it, right? And, and so, and so we, we, we've got the whole deal of Moses showing up with the staff, and he, he approaches Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, I won't let the people go. And Moses said, well, watch this. And, and Moses goes through a series of, of nine different plagues. He, there's a plague of the water being turned into blood and lice and frogs and flies and, and all these things infesting the land of Egypt. And then finally God said, okay, here's the last one. He said, here's what I'm going to do, Moses. I'm going to kill the firstborn. I'm going to send the death angel through the land, and and he's going to kill the firstborn. Now, here's what I want the children of Israel to do. I want you to get a lamb, and I want you to kill that lamb, and I want you to take the blood, and I want you to put it on the the doorpost and on the lentils. I want you to put it at the top of the door on, on either sides, and some said even at the bottom. Some historians tell us that even on the floor, on the ground itself, they they put the blood. And, and then he said, I want you to take that lamb, I want you to cook it, and then I want you to eat it, and then I want you to go in your house and shut your door and stay there until the next morning. Well, the Word of God says that during that time, as the children of Israel did that, that the death angel came through the land, and, and the death angel killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, but that in the land of Goshen, which is where the Israelites dwelt, they dwelt in the suburbs. Sorry. And, and, and so they're, they're in the suburbs kind of hanging out, and, and no death angel comes because there's the blood that's above the doorpost. Now, it's interesting to me how God did this. God said, here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to honor me first, and if you'll honor me first, then I will in turn take care of you. It's kind of like scriptural uh, stewardship, isn't it? If you'll bring the first fruits, then I'll take care of the ninety. Wow, that kind of went over like a lead balloon. Let's keep moving. All right? And, and so, so the, God's always in partnership with mankind. God always says, if you will, then I will. If you'll participate, if you'll, if you'll offer the lamb, then I will make sure that you're protected. And the Word of God says that the death angel came through and, uh, and all of that happened. And, and so to us, though, we read that, and it's a historical document, it's a historical happening, but it doesn't have much impact on us. What, what do we care about the Passover? But when you begin to read the Scripture, what you find out is, is that as you look at the history of the Passover, the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians that Jesus Christ became our Passover lamb. So now all of a sudden, not is, that's not just a happening that took place for the Israelites, but according to Scripture, when Jesus came and gave his life, he became our Passover lamb. And so as I began to look at that, I thought, you know, what did Jesus do? What are the benefits of this covenant that we are in? And so over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be looking at some things that Jesus did. But today I want to show you, in Scripture, there in the book of Matthew, the 26th chapter, there's the celebration with the children. Uh, of God as they gather together there. This was happening all over Israel. It wasn't just Jesus and the disciples, and, and they were celebrating. There actually was four courses to this meal, and, and each one of those had a cup uh, of the vine that they would partake of, and, and they would, would different blessings would come as a result of that. And then as I began to look at that, I said, wait a minute. The Bible says that the Old Testament is a schoolmaster bringing us to Jesus Christ. 
All right? So if it's bringing me to Jesus Christ, and the Scripture says Jesus Christ is my Passover lamb, then what does that do for me? So to find that out, go to the book of Exodus, the 12th chapter, and I want to show you four benefits that come into your life as a result of Passover, what the Word of God says. Now, there are other things, but specifically this morning, I want to show you four things that are found here uh, in Scripture. Exodus, the 12th chapter is the whole sitting there. Look in verse 29. It says, And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne, uh, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. Now, Now watch this. The death angel comes through, and it kills all the firstborn, the firstborn child. Uh, it even kills the firstborn livestock. What, what is happening there is that, is that God is showing who is in control. But the Scripture says for all of those who had placed the blood on their doorposts that the death angel passed over them. Hence the word Passover. We call it Easter, but it's Passover. Now, what are the benefits? Well, the first benefit of of Passover is that we have been delivered from death. Now, now think about that. The Word of God lets us know. You say, well, Pastor, are you saying you're going to live forever? No, I am living forever. Now, don't miss this. I'm not going to live forever. I am living forever. There's a day that this natural body will lay down, but I'll just step from this dimension that, is, that holds me captive, and I'll step into a dimension that has no captivity upon me. See, re- really as Christians, and I know it's sad to go through death and loss, but I'm going to tell you, if we really believe what we say, we ought to be like the Apostle Paul who said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So, so we're, it's not that I'm looking for life. I already have it. Jesus Christ came that I might have life, the Bible says, and that I could have it more abundantly. Now, and I want to tell you something. Here's what I found out about a lot, a lot of people who say they're Christians. They're not fun. Come on, right? I mean, have you ever hung out with, with Christians? I mean, have you ever gone to church and wondered why? Just like, why did I go? Why did I get up? Why didn't I just stay at home? I mean, but because, I mean, a lot of times you're around Christians, and, and they are the most uh, depressed, most, uh, you know, they're just out of sorts about everything uh, that's going on. And yet, here's what I find is that the Scripture says that Jesus Christ has delivered me from death. I, I'm not worried about dying. I'm not worried about going to hell. I mean, if you're sitting there today going, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or to, get to, hell, or to hell, get saved. You know, I don't get up every morning going, am I still saved today? Am I lost? Is hell in my future? No, hell's not in my future. Heaven's in my future. Why? Because Jesus Christ has delivered me from death. I, I have died to myself, to my wants, so that I can receive the life of Jesus Christ. And so as Jesus became the Passover lamb, then you and I have the right today to live life. John 10.10 10 says the thief comes to kill, to what? To steal and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, get a life. Come on, just do that. Those of you watching, just do that, all right? Get a life. How do I get a life? In Jesus. 
Do you know what I really believe? That if there were no afterlife, if, if as some people say, you know, when you die, that's it. If that were really true, being a Christian and living as a Christian is still the best life that there is. Now, I want to tell you, there is an afterlife, and there are things that are going to happen, but still, as a believer, when I live the abundance that Jesus Christ has called me into, that's the benefit that I have. I can go around happy. I can go around excited about what God has done. There are a lot of people who confess Jesus. They wear the WWJD, but they don't know WDJD. They don't know what Jesus did for them, because if they did, they would smile a whole lot lot more. Jesus came to give us life. And, and so I, I just believe we ought to live in that sense of life. We ought to live in that sense of excitement. We ought to wake up every morning and, and say, get ready, devil, here we come. I, I mean, the devil ought to send out messages to all of his imps and say, let them sleep. Don't worry them. Don't give them nightmares. Let them sleep as long as they will, because when they get up, they just tear it up. Right? I mean, life. Jesus Christ has, has died so that you and I could have life. So I've been delivered from death. But it doesn't stop there. Look in verse 34. Verse 34 said, so the people, uh, and, and just go with me and I'll explain it. So the people took their dough. Now, this is dough, not, not your money. This is like bread, all right? They took their dough before it was leaven. I could tell some of you are reaching for your pockets. Before it was leaven, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulder. You say, well, what's that got to do with anything? Well, if you read a little bit above that, God had been talking to him and said, cast out all the leaven. He said, get rid. Now, the word leaven is an Old Testament word that we don't understand, but we do understand the word yeast, right? <clears throat> Anybody in here ever made bread? Anybody ever made bread? All right, a lot of you have. How many of you know you have to use yeast to get the bread to rise? All right, and, and so in the New Testament, the Word of God tells us that yeast or leaven is a type of sin. And so the Word of God says, get the leaven out of your life. In fact, get the yeast out because it says a little leaven leaveneth the whole loaf. It, in, in other words, it, it takes a little bit of sin. How many of you know you don't have to do big sin to get in trouble? Right? Come on, I should have had more amens than that because every one of you are guilty. I, I mean, every one of us has done a little sin, and all of a sudden that sin just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and we go, what in the world? What is going on? And, and so the Lord said, get the leaven out. And so the, the children of Israel literally left uh, the land of bondage, and, and they, had, they had, didn't have any yeast in their bread, so their bread was flat uh, as they left. And so leaven is a type of sin. So the second benefit, the first benefit is that we're delivered from death. The second benefit is, is that we are delivered from sin. No, we really are. Now you say, well, Pastor, uh, are you telling me that once I get saved, I'll never sin? No, I'm not telling you that. In fact, anybody that tells you that just sinned. They just lied to you. All right? I, I'm not trying to stand up here this morning and say, oh, since the day I got saved, I've never sinned, because that's a lie. I mean, we, we were recently in, in overseas, and, and um, I, I, I don't travel well, and, and I get there, and I'm all messed up. And, and, and anyway, I was, I was ordering in a restaurant, and, and uh, how many of you have wives? You don't need the Holy Ghost if you've got a wife, because <laughs> they will lead you in all truth. But anyway, 
And I, I was in a restaurant, and I ordered this thing, and this gal behind the counter said, we don't have that. And I said, well, it's on your sign. Well, we don't have that. I said, well, what about this? Well, we don't have that. And about the third time, and, and I wasn't blessed. <laughs> and I didn't get, I, didn't, I thought I was pretty cool, actually. I thought I was doing good and went to the table and sat down. And Sherry said, you're acting like an arrogant American. I mean, I had to repent. I had to go, okay, Lord, I messed up. I, I didn't mean to be that, but I guess I was. And so, uh, and, and that's the one I'm going to tell you about. I ain't telling you about the rest of my stuff. So, <laughs> but, but what we find is, is that the Word of God lets us know that the, the Apostle Paul said it this way. Uh, he said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin continue any longer therein. In other words, that we don't just continue to sin because there's grace. Oh, there's grace. It's okay. I'll just sin. No, no, no. We are turning our lives away from sin, and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, now we are living an overcoming life, and we are defeating sin because we have been delivered from sin. God has given us freedom, and the Bible says, whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. And so we need to learn to live in, in the benefit of being delivered from sin. Let me help you. You don't have to sin every day. I, I know some of us think we do, but you've been delivered from that. You've been set free from the sin uh, that, that is in your life, and God has given you the ability and the freedom to walk out of that. And so as I look at my life, what I find is, is that the longer I live for the Lord and the more uh, that I, I become like Him, the less sin has rule in my life because sin has been placed underneath my feet, and now I am walking in the freedom that Jesus Christ has given me. So I want to tell you this morning, don't use the excuse, well, that's just the way I am. No, it's not. The Bible says we, the old things have become new. That when you came into Jesus Christ, that he wiped out what you used to be and he made you something new. So quit using the excuse of that's how you are. It's not how you are. It's what you want to do. The Bible says that we sin. Can I do this? Come on. The Bible says that we sin when we are drawn away of our own. The word there is lust. The word lust there is just the word strong desire. We all sin when we are drawn away of our own strong desire. It's inside of us, but Jesus Christ gives us the victory. So I have been freed. He is my Passover lamb, and so I have the benefit of being delivered from this whole aspect of sin. And so what did Jesus do? Jesus delivered me from sin. But look in verse 35 and 36, if you would. It says, Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses. And they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor. Everybody say favor. We used to talk about fog around here, favor of God. Some of us need the fog to roll back in. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. Now, I love that because here's, here's what I found. How many of you have ever read the Scripture that says the riches of the wicked have been laid up for the righteous? Ever read that? I mean, that's a great Scripture, and we read that and say, man, I'm, I need some of that. I wish Bill Gates was my daddy. I wish Steve Jobs had left me in his will. 
I wish, no, 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 no. It's, that's not how it works. The Word of God says there in those couple of verses that God told Moses to tell the ladies, go to those women who you've been in servitude all these years and go tell them, I want your silver, I want your gold, and I want your clothes. And they walked in and said, hey, I want some silver, want gold, and want your clothes. And those Egyptian women go, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to give you what you've asked for. See, there are times in your life that you don't need anything but favor. Because if you have the favor of God upon your life, God can send you into situations that look totally opposite of what you need, and you will walk out having plundered the people of this world. I mean, what would happen if you really walked in favor in your job, if you really walked in favor in your business, if you really walked in favor in your classes, if you were that person who had the favor of God upon you, all of a sudden you would begin to live with a different mentality. See, the third benefit of Passover is that they were delivered from poverty. Now, I want to tell you, we need to understand the government's not going to get us out of poverty. The Democrats aren't, the Republicans aren't, President Obama's not, whoever the president is in four years from now or whatever, they're not going, it is not from them. So quit setting your affections on the White House. Quit setting your affections on the Congress. The Bible says set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth. The Word of God tells us to focus our attention on God. Listen, your job is not your source. Your employer is not your source. Your business is not your source. God is your source. And all it takes is one person having favor on you to totally revolutionize your life. I mean, it it happens. I've I've used this before, but it is so good, I'm going to use it again. How many of you ever heard of a guy named Dr. Phil? How many of you ever heard of another guy named Dr. Oz? How many of you have ever heard of a, gal, a gal named Gail? Those people had one thing in common, Oprah. Seriously. Oprah had favor on each of them, and all of a sudden their lives turned 180 degrees and they've become household names. Why? Because somebody had favor. Listen, you don't have to have everybody like you. You just got to have the right person like you. So some of you, some of you are working way too hard. See, God can cause favor to be on your life. And instead of living with a poverty mindset and mentality, all of a sudden you can walk in and say, you know what, here's what I feel like. And they say, I don't know why I'm giving you this raise. I don't know why I'm giving you this promotion. I don't know why you're getting this job. You really don't deserve it. You really shouldn't have it. But I just feel like I want to do this for you. Why? Because we are delivered from poverty. Look in verse 41. Verse 41 says, and it came to pass at the end of 430 years on that very same day. Isn't that interesting? On that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. Now, I want you to look carefully at that last part. It says, and it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. Now, when when you're reading that setting, what you find is this, is that these people had been slaves for 430 years. 
And yet God looks at them, and in one moment, God says that you are no longer a slave, you are now a conquering army. Now think about that. God can take whatever your mistakes and your past is all about and in one moment can revolutionize who you are. Instead of you talking about, well, if you knew where I grew up, if you knew what I went through, if you, no, 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 wait a minute. In a moment's time, God can take you from being a slave and make you an army. That's what God does. And, and so the scripture there lets us know the fourth benefit is this, is that they were delivered from bondage. You have been delivered from bondage. You say, well, pastor, uh, I've never been in bondage to anybody. No, but anybody, don't raise your hands. Anybody ever been in bondage to, to, to tobacco? Anybody ever been in bondage to alcohol? Anybody ever been in bondage to drugs? Anybody ever been in bondage to pornography? Anybody? Come on. I, I just saw the other day that there's a new addiction, and I knew it was, was going to be from the day I saw it. And there's now an addiction to Facebook. I knew the day I saw Facebook it was of the devil. But anyway, uh, an addiction. I mean, there's, there's all kind of addictions out there. I want to tell you, addictions are real. Addictions work in people's lives. I mean, let me just bring you in on the secret. Addictions work in Christians' lives. But the Word of God says that we have been delivered out of bondage. The Scripture says that the anointing destroys the yoke. The anointing of Jesus Christ can come into your life and it can set you free. And so as you look at this, the Word of God says, what did Jesus do? Jesus delivered me from death. Jesus delivered me from sin. Jesus delivered me from poverty. And Jesus delivered me from bondage. The Scripture says there in the New Testament, it says one day, John the Baptist was preaching. And I want to tell you, John the Baptist was not a nice, easy preacher. John the Baptist was not seeker-sensitive or friendly. He just looked at him and said, you're a bunch of snakes and you're going to hell. Right? I mean, that's what he'd do. I mean, I wonder what would happen today if I'd just go, you're... about half of the congregation would say, I'm out. And so John's preaching one day, and he looks up, and it just flows out of him. Jesus starts walking to him, and John says this. He says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the whole world. What's he referring to? He's referring to Passover. He's saying that Jesus is our Passover Lamb. And then Jesus, in the setting that I read to you there out of the book of Matthew, the 26th chapter, Jesus on that night before his betrayal, the Bible says that he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. In other words, this was the sacrifice. He knew that in just a short time that his body was going to be given as a sacrifice to pay the penalty for my sin. I want to tell you, my sins are gone. You say, well, I saw you do something. I saw you respond. Yeah, I know. But the Bible says that my sins are as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against me ever again. God set me free. Jesus gave his body like that lamb was given. Jesus Christ was the lamb. And so it was the sacrifice. But then he took the cup at the end of supper. It's actually the fourth cup. But he, he takes the cup and he says, this is the blood of my new covenant. Now think about this. The old covenant was great. The Bible says that Abraham was blessed in all things. That's a pretty good covenant. 
Amen? I mean, when you're having babies at 100, that's blessed. No, you didn't get it. And, and then he goes, keep reading the Scripture, about 120, he has a couple of more. No, that's blessed. His wife's 80, 90 years old, and she's still so good-looking that the, the king wants her in his harem. That's blessed. No, y'all, y'all, you're not fun at all. That's blessed. And yet, the Scripture says that we have a covenant that's better than Abraham's covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ. See, the blood was the sign of the new covenant. Remember in the Old Testament where they took the blood and they put it at the top and they put it at the sides, and some scholars said they put it even at the, at the, at the threshold of the door? Watch. When Jesus died, there was a crown of thorns on his head. There were nails in his hands, and there were nails in his feet, the sign of the cross. Jesus Christ became our Passover lamb. Whatever it is in your life that you need, Jesus has already paid the price. What did Jesus do? He paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. And so I don't know in your life today where you are, but here's what I know. The price has been paid. Jesus Christ became your Passover lamb. He became my Passover lamb. And because of that, you and I have the ability today to receive the benefits of walking in freedom. I'm no longer in bondage. I'm no longer bound up with this world. But I am set free by the blood of of a lamb who the Bible says was slain before the foundation of the world. And you and I today have the right to experience every benefit and every blessing that God has for us.